This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey, this is Nick Roth, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 245 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. You heard Nick Groff on there. Of course, he was our special guest for episode 200. That was 45 episodes ago. See, mm-hmm. let's see, see what I did there? I do. This is episode 245. So, it was so you can math. do math. Yeah. 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 Anyway. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> if it had been episode 199, I'd have been screwed. <laughs> Carry the one and the yeah. not. <laughs> but anyway, we I played that obviously because uh, one, Nick is a superstar and fantastic, super nice guy. He is bat for sure. But there's a couple of ties into the story that we're going to be doing tonight. Okay. That has uh, Nick, and I'll bring them up as we go, but there is a couple of little tie-ins, so uh, I thought I would play that at the beginning. It would be fitting. Sounds great. Tracy, would like to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you to all of you who are out there listening, the nurses, the doctors, the firemen, the EMS, Everybody else that we're not even thinking about as far as uh, the, their job title. If you're helping the public out there, thank you. It's a thankless job, and we want to make sure you get your thanks every week. Absolutely. You know, and I was watching TV today, and the thing they were showing was the wounded warrior. Yep, yep. And, man, if you guys can... Find it in your heart just to, you know, uh, well, sometimes I'm trying to say, uh, you know, contribute to that because those stories are so inspiring. And every time I see one of those commercials, I, I literally tear up. It's funny that you mention that because I think that I saw the commercial a few times and, and uh, uh, what's his name? The country music. Trace Atkins. Trace Atkins. He is a big advocate of that. Mm-hmm. And it's $19 a month. Yeah. Uh, to help out yeah. uh, people who are, you know, need service dogs and mm-hmm. everything else. But it's funny you had said that because you came upstairs and I sat down there and watched it and, and I was thinking, you know, we should probably do an event yeah. to where at least a couple of dollars a ticket goes to Wonder Wars. No, I agree. I think it's absolutely a wonderful idea. So I think we should, we'll set something up. Yeah, let's let's do that because, you know, they have a lot to come back from and, you know, it seems like that that really helps them, um, you know, get through this hard times that they go through and I just think it's a wonderful cause, so. And obviously we've got paranormal cancer that we're going to be doing. Yep, absolutely. We're very blessed that you guys pay money to come see us, to go on cruises, to Mm buy books to buy merchandise mm-hmm. and uh, i think we need um, to contribute more no we absolutely our, do i agree 100 percent because 
you know, we appreciate you guys so much. And we can, I mean, I don't even know how we could even begin to thank you enough for what you do for us. And um, so anything we can do to help, I want to do. I just let's help everybody. You know what I'm saying? Let's just do it. You know, it's bringing up the military. It uh, it brings up a subject, obviously, that's near and dear to our heart, which mm-hmm. is the mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, we know the that number is like 22. It's 21 or 22, and I, I should know this, but I'm just drawing a blank. It's 21 or 22 people in the military commit suicide every single day. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, that's, once again, you know, they're going through struggles that some of us will never understand. Mm-hmm. And you, you never know. You know, we've lost people to suicide. Um, a young young man, heck, about six years ago or so now, that was 21 years old, had his whole life in front of him, played in a band. And, I mean, everything just seemed perfect for yep. him. Mm-hmm. And his grandmother, who unfortunately found him, said that even the night before he had set his alarm clock because he was getting ready to start school. He had to go, had to go to uh, college, either take some entrance exams mm-hmm. or something, but he had to be at the college. He had set his alarm clock for that. Yeah. He was up playing video games uh, that he had just gotten a new game and was playing a video game when he, uh, when she went to bed and then she gets up and finds that he somehow decided to commit suicide and, it's like, how do you make sense of somebody who sets their alarm clock for something the next morning? Mm-hmm. Somebody who's just up playing video games and sometime in that next couple of hours, yeah. something went through their mind where they said it's just not worth being here. I mean, it, it's, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend, but we know it happens. And so you all just, you know, when you see somebody on the street, just tell them a compliment. Just say, hey, you know what? You look really nice today or just whatever. Because I'm telling you, it makes a world of difference. And, you know, sometimes that's all people need to hear. And, uh, you know, but you guys are so wonderful in this group. And we've said it a hundred times. We cannot be more prouder of anything that we have done than this group. Because you guys are just everything to us. So, but if you need to talk to somebody and you don't want to or you want to be anonymous, you can call the 800 number at 273-8255, or you can text them at 741-741. But just, you know, smile at somebody. And I think that's a lot to do with this stupid mask. I'm sorry to say it, but you don't, you can't even see somebody smile. But yeah, when she says stupid mask, she's not saying that no, they're, no, no, that no. they're not a viable use. But no, I'm just is saying. Is, that, is when the, we don't get to see people's faces anymore. We don't get right. to see smiles. We don't right. get to see. I mean, I've got to the point where I just pull mine down and smile because, and then put it back up. You know, <laughs> I know it's kind of silly, but, you know, that's what we have to do. And, uh, you know, but we're there for you guys. You can call Jerry or I any time of the night. We'd be glad to talk with you guys. And we love y'all. Absolutely. And if you guys watched us on TV earlier this week up in Louisville on WHS, uh, Great Day Live, I want to give a big thank you to the, them for having us on and giving us a, a chance to be able to talk about what we do. It was, right. a, it was a big deal to us. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. We were very honored to do it. All right, Tracy. Yes? Tonight's episode, I'm excited about. Well, hallelujah. I'm excited about all of them. I know so, you are. <laughs> so much of that. All right, so... 
we know that if you look at any top 10 or top 20 list of haunted places in the United States, you're going to see a lot of the same names. It's it's always, you know, Waverly Hills is on every one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, the Winchester Mystery House, the Ohio State Reformatory, all those places pop up on the, on the same list over and over. It's a lot of the same players, so to speak. But, and I'm not saying they're not deserving, but there are places out there that don't get the... Uh, the big mentions yeah. and the publicity that are pretty haunted places. Oh, man, I'm sure there's just hundreds of it. Tonight's subject rarely comes up on any of these lists. And I'm not sure who compiles most of these lists. I don't know where they get their information or what data or criteria or whatever they use. Um, but to me, the best way to find out which places have the most paranormal activity is ask paranormal investigators who travel around to all these places. So I can attest that Nick Groff, who we played earlier, Jack Kenna, Troy Taylor, and Lee Kirkland have all told me personally that Ashmore Estates in Ashmore, Illinois is near the top of their list no kidding. of the most haunted places. Ooh. Yeah, well, Lee Kirkland, when he was on the show, he flat said it wasn't even a question. No kidding. And then when we had Nick on, I believe, I don't, I can't remember if it was while Nick was on, because we talked for a long time off air, too, uh -huh. and I don't know, but one of those times he said the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk a little more about Lee and, and uh, Nick later when as it comes to that. But yeah, it's it's like those people, amongst others, are all like uh, Ashmore's near the top, even though it never makes any of these lists. So let's dig into the story. You ready? I'm ready. Ashmore States, as it is known today, was created in 1857 and was originally the Coles County Almshouse, or as most call it, the Poor Farm. Oh, That's wow. That's what almshouse is. Oh, Okay. The residents there ranged from misdemeanor criminals to alcoholics to widows to elderly to the orphans. And there were also several people that had various mental disabilities. So it really was a catch-all for anybody that basically was unwanted by most of society back then. Mm -hmm. Here at the farm, they earned their keep by doing chores that they were assigned. They grew their own food, and they cared for their own livestock. As I said, these were people that basically had nowhere else to go. Some people saw this as a safe place, but others just kind of ended up here. In the 1850s, it was a place for social outcasts and people that the world had forgotten about or wanted to forget. Mm -hmm. The place wasn't always a bad place. In fact, it was pretty good for, for several years. In 1902, the Board of State Commissioners said in their report, and I'm going to read this verbatim, it said, The sanitary condition of the building is fair. The heating is by stove and sufficient. There is no regular uh, system of ventilation, but plenty of fresh air is easily obtained. There is no plumbing. The water supply is from a well in a cistern. And there is no fire protection. Now, most of this stuff wouldn't be I was unusual. Say, sounds like my house I used to live in. <laughs> yeah, most of this stuff wouldn't be unusual for 1902. Right. So. It says there is no special provision for the insane. One inmate who is insane 
has not been so adjudged by the court. None are locked up or in restraints. This, there is one inmate who never has outdoor exercise. The general appearance of the insane is fair. Hmm. Like, see how they just, I mean, it was. I'm not sure I like that. The insane, they treated them like they were an object, not. Yeah, human. You know. So the general appearance of the insane is fair. Meals furnished to the inmates consist of coffee three times a day, milk three times a day, meat twice a day, and vegetables are in abundance. Butter and eggs are also provided. This is all straight from the report. The beds are clean and supplied with abundant covering. The inmates generally look after their own rooms. Bathtubs are provided and are required to be kept clean. All physically able are free to attend church. The county owns the farm and it is well managed. It consists of 237 acres with plenty of apples and peaches. That's the end of the report. Hmm. Well, that don't sound so bad. No, that was 1902. And for a place that had been around for 45 years at this point, you know, since the early 1900s, that was probably about as good as you were going to get or probably mm-hmm. as good as could be expected for that type of place. But... In 1911, just nine years later, the farm was condemned because of poor living conditions. There were rats in the walls, flies everywhere, poor ventilation and food, and all of these were listed as reasons for the farm to be shut down. What the happened? I don't know. I mean, what was that? You said two, so Eleven nine, year, was nine, nine years, years later? Well, I mean, you look at places like Penhurst. Mm-hmm. Penhurst was good for a long time, and then... I guess changes in management, overcrowding and all that, things just went down. And a lot of these places started off fine. Eastern Penitentiary the same way. Once the overcrowding happened and there were less and less people to be able to take care of it, you know, when you when you got like seven people underneath of you as far as, you, you know, patients, and then all of a sudden you got 30 underneath of you, yeah. I mean, it's, you can't keep up. And my guess is that's probably what happened. So the building that stands today was constructed in 1916. Ashmore Estates Incorporated purchased the poor farm from Coles County in 1959. So they started running a private psychiatric hospital on the premises. In 1965, the hospital decided that they were going to start accepting patients from other state facilities. Mm -hmm. But in 1979, the Illinois Department of Public Health shut the hospital down and they cited several different uh, safety and, and fire code violations yeah. for the reason for shutting them down. Ashmore Estates was opened in the early 1980s, and it was home for the mentally disabled. During this time, several patients were known to be extremely violent. One patient was even called possessed by a former staff member. The most severe patients were kept up on the third floor. Do you know why they kept them on the third floor? No. To keep the screams as far away from the administration offices as possible because the uh, CEOs and and the heads of the place didn't want to hear it. That's so sad. In fairness, that was pretty common practice for most hospitals like this, though. It wasn't just an Ashmore thing. Yeah. Financial problems eventually led to Ashmore closing in April of 1981. Now, from 87 to 2006, the property said abandoned. That's when Scott and Tanya Kelly 
bought the place with the sole purpose of turning it into a haunted attraction during the Halloween season. It's reported that approximately 200 deaths have taken place on the property. And I'm actually surprised that that number is not a lot higher. All right. I'm, I'm a little surprised, too. I mean, can you consider, consider it from 1850s when it opened mm-hmm. and the fact that, well, yeah. just the fact that, that people back then didn't live as long and the fact that there were people there with mental health problems, people that uh, elderly and all that, you would just thought over the years, and then plus it being turned into a hospital after the fact, you mm-hmm. would have thought that there just been a lot more deaths. And then the people who did die were taken to a cemetery that was nearby. At one time, it's my understanding that it was part of the property, but now it's private property where the cemetery was. But they did have its own cemetery at one point. Wow. Well, I'm glad there wasn't many more than that. That's a lot. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the hauntings. One haunting seems to be of a little girl named Elva. Elva was, now I'm going to, there's some discrepancy on this, but it says in my first notes that, that I was reading, Elva was a seven-year-old girl who burned to death in February of 1880 mm. when her clothes caught on fire in an upstairs mm. room. This was back when it was still a poor farm. There have been EVPs captured on the top floor of a little girl saying what appears to be mama. No, oh, bless her heart. There's also been sightings of a little girl in period clothing up on the top floor. Another sighting is that of a former caretaker, more or less, by the name of Joe Bloxham. Now, Joe was 76 when he died in the premise, on the premises there in June of 1921. Joe had lived on the poor farm for 15 years, and he took pride in assisting the superintendent on keeping the lawn and the grounds clean and Mm -hmm. cleared and in good shape. Many investigators and tour guides say that they see an old man wearing a black top hat on the premises. Now, part of this may be because Joe's death was under some mysterious circumstances. And I say this, normally when you say somebody's death was under mysterious circumstances, it's usually something malicious or, you know, maybe somebody tried to poison them or maybe it was an ex-wife or, you know, it's something like that. That's not the case with this one, though. What happened was Joe Bloxham had left to visit family in Oakland, Illinois, which is about 10 miles away from the farm. And he was going to be gone for a few days. He was seen in Charleston, Illinois on Tuesday at noon in the railroad district. It's thought that he may have been sideswiped by a train because his shoulder and part of his body had severe bruising. It's then believed that he tried to walk back to the farm after that. What we do know is that he was picked up by a passing motorist who left him at the gate at the farm at 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. Okay, so this was after he was hit? Yes, this was later that day. He was seen there at 12 o'clock, and then he was at the farm at 8.30 when we dropped off. So somewhere between then, something happened. Mm-hmm. But that's an assumption. So the superintendent there, who, by the name of uh, Harry Rigel, he gave him some emer- emergency medical attention immediately as soon as he got there, and he called the doctors. Unfortunately, he passed away a few hours later at 10.30 p.m., Aww. mostly from internal injuries and, and stuff like that. In 2007... There was uh, some newspapers did an interview with uh, the new owners at the time, Scott and Tanya Kelly. They told the Daily Eastern News that Scott had heard footsteps in the building whenever he was in the building alone and he knew no one else was in there. 
Tanya says that she saw a, a picture that somebody had showed her that appeared to show an apparition of a man diving out of one of the windows in front of the building. Oh, that I would not want to see. <laughs> Kevin from Men Illinois Ghost Society said that he was touched by something or someone in the boiler room during an investigation in February of 2012. He believes that it was Joe that we talked about earlier. He also said there were some situations down there where they were asking questions with a flashlight and the flashlight was turning on and off to the questions. Oh. So we mentioned the two owners, which was Tanya and Scott Kelly. And I don't think there's any relation, but Robin Terry is the owner today. Mm Mm-hmm. And he actually bought the property back in 2014. And it had set vacant for a while, so I don't Mm -hmm. know how long... The previous Terry's on the place, but um, obviously they couldn't have had it too long because they bought it back in like 2007 and right. 2014. He bought it. It had already been abandoned for a while. Now, I told you there were going to be some tie-ins to Nick Groff along the story. And here's part of it. Nick Groff is really good really good friends with Mike Couch. Mm-hmm. Love Mike. Mike is awesome. Mike uh, lost a leg um, and he has since started... His own foundation, Cause of Lost Limbs Foundation, mm-hmm. and they help raise money for children. Uh, I think it's I don't think it's just children, but it's it's amputees that need uh, new prosthetics, and that's what they help out with. Well, he Mike and like I said, Mike and Nick Roth are really good friends, and the gentleman who bought the place, Robin Terry. He's a friend of Mike's, also and a big advocate, and he does a lot of uh, promotions and stuff there to raise charity for the Lost Limbs Foundation. So I wanted to make sure that Robin Terry that owns Ashmore State got his his uh, fair amount of credit for what he does. Of course, it's wonderful. Thank he, you so he much. He literally could just be doing all this stuff and making the money and hogging it, but he chooses. Yeah, he chooses to, not to, to help, help out this charity. Perfect. So. Awesome. Now, since Robin bought the place, it's been primarily used for paranormal investigations. Robin says that according to his records, Elva that we talked about earlier, the little girl, mm-hmm. she was just shy of her fifth birthday. Remember, I said she was seven in the first, but he says she was four, almost five, when the incident happened. He said that she was basically getting ready for breakfast. She went upstairs to change her clothes. And somehow or another, I don't know if it was from a candle or a fireplace, but somehow or another, her clothes caught fire and she burned it out. Oh, God, that's awful. Poor little thing. Now, as far as Joe Bloxham, Robin says that he spent a lot of time in the boiler room and, and in the maintenance room when he worked at the farm. He said Joe doesn't like anybody messing with the stuff in the boiler room, especially women. One investigator said that he had an experience a few years earlier at an event called Ash Bash. He said he was sitting there in, in, in uh, one of the rooms down in the uh, the boiler room area. He had his eyes closed. He had a chair sitting in front of him, like a little folding chair, and then he was sitting in his chair. And he closed his eyes, and he asked if someone would come sit down in a chair in front of him and talk to him. Well, he heard a chair scoot across the floor. Oh, me. He opens his eyes to see that none of the chairs that were in front of him have moved. So, and it's it's complete darkness, right? Yeah. For the most part. 
So he goes and gets his camera that has the night vision on it. And he's able to look through the doorway into the hallway. And a chair had moved that was in the hallway to the door. Like it was able to be able to peek in on him. Investigator Dan Williams from the Paranormal Research Institute, he's been there more than five times investigating the place. He said he's experienced several disembodied voices as well as being physically attacked. Oh my he's, gosh. He said it wouldn't malicious. It was more of a, I just want to fight for the fun of it, attack. <laughs> he was bored. <laughs> yeah. His quote was that... He ended up with a full breath of a nasty, broken teeth, cigar, whiskey kind of breath in his face that wanted to fight. That was his exact words. Dang, that's specific. He said he has seen uh, several shadow figures, and he's heard his name come through on one channel of a two-channel recording, which shouldn't be possible. If it comes through one channel, it should be on the other channel. Right. But it's it came through on one channel and not the other. So would you be impressed that this ghost actually knows your name? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. You know? That would be cool. Robin, the current owner, said that they've had paranormal teams come and investigate, and some catch the same things in the same rooms, and then others seem to be uh, dependent on who's doing the investigating. You know, whether they're specifically investigating a certain subject, a certain person, a certain room, uh, and it depends on if they're male or female, as we said earlier. Robin tells of one occasion when he said there was a red balloon that was tied up on the third floor. It had been tied up since 9 p.m. the night before. Now, the following morning, it became untied at 6.15, even though nobody was up there, and it floated straight up to the ceiling, and this was all caught on their surveillance camera. Another investigator got knocked completely off his feet in the boiler room. That was, this was witnessed by a young lady that was also there. She said that his feet came completely off the floor. So this wasn't a fell backwards or fell forward. Yeah, something. This is something with some kind of power physically knocked him off his feet. God, that would be so creepy. Gentleman named Brad was actually filming an episode for Strange Curiosity there. And he said that he had a 25 degree temperature drop almost immediately while he was trying to confront the entity that may or may not have knocked that man off of his feet. So I took it as this happened during that filming. Oh, man, they're lucky. They got some good stuff. Yeah. Robin says that it's not unusual to have chairs move, doors slam, or to hear voices. There have been lots of EVPs that were caught either on film or recorders inside the building and outside the building. So the whole area has stuff. During the Nick Groff tour of 2015, they're at Ashmore State. That's what they did. Their, the second uh, stop on the tour mm-hmm. was at Ashmore States. So while Nick was with a group doing the investigation, they had a group, a big group of people there, and, and Nick was leading the investigation. Lee Kirkland, our buddy, was actually in a different part of the building. He was within, you know, an earshot, but he was standing back a little bit. And while Nick was kind of talking to the group and doing an EVP session, Lee said that he saw a black mass go into a different room. So when when Nick gets finished with what he's doing, Lee tells him, 
hey, go into this room. So he does. Nick captured an EVP that said, get out. God damn it. Oh, such language. Yes. Lee said that when he saw this mask come into the room, he was completely overcome with all of these different uh, raw emotions and his eyes started to water. Didn't know why, he just was. Lee said? Yes. He said he wasn't sure if it was just him or if he was worried about Nick coming back and going through that room with whatever might be in there. He wasn't sure what it was, but it did affect him emotionally. So Nick said that he got got a really weird, overwhelming feeling when he walked into the room. As Nick went into the room, Lee captured a black mass on film. Oh, get out of here. So I'm going to tell you, go look up Ashmore Estates on YouTube. It's only about 12 or 13 minutes long, but that video of the Nick Groff tour at Ashmore Estates is on there. And you can see the video, the black mass on video, and you can see... um, you know, all the cover, some of the coverage and stuff are there, but that's where it focuses on. And you can hear the EVP. Well, that was a successful night. Yes, it was. Suze Rimmers, she's a current caretaker, and she said that Robin Terry bought the, uh, the place and it had been empty for a while and was really ran down. Mm-hmm. She said she was around about, she came around about two weeks later. And she has experienced disembodied voices and lots of shadow people. Matter of fact, she said in the boiler room and in the maintenance room, there is tons of activity to go on. In those rooms, there have been sounds of people working, people get touched, and sometimes women will get sick to their stomach. See, again, the women thing. Mm -hmm, Because they don't want them in there. I guess. Visitors have been told several times to get out. I don't think it means one visitor several times. I think it means several visitors. Have <laughs> Sue said that the former hospital kitchen and the women and children dining rooms are also filled with activity. The biggest claims here are shadow people that have been seen in the area and the feeling of uneasiness. The strange thing at Ashmore is that activity can really spike during the daytime hours. Well, that's kind of weird isn't it yeah i mean i think a lot of these places have activity during the day it's just we don't notice them as well. yeah well, that's the, probably true well the veil is supposed to be lessened as it gets to like midnight to 3 a.m mm-hmm. so it's supposed to be the easiest time it's supposed to be the closest that the earthly realm and the spiritual realm are t- are the thinnest so they're, they're yeah. closest together but there's been a lot of stories we've done where there's been activity during the daytime so But at nighttime, if you set up chairs in the hallway and just sit and watch, you can watch several shadow figures enter and exit the rooms. Sometimes it's just a peek around. Like, you know, you see like a little head stick your head Uh out of the room. You know, saw a lot of those at Waverly. I was going to say, that's a lot like the fourth floor of Waverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Sue says the whole third floor has an issue. She does not like to go up to the third floor, and she gets anxious even talking about it. On the third floor, the biggest complaint is not being able to breathe. Now, this may be because, as we discussed earlier, this is the floor in later years where they put the most aggressive patients. So these were the patients that would be in straitjackets or 
uh, wet blanket treatments or had some type of restraints. So maybe that's why people have problems breathing up there. Suze also says that the owner and herself sometimes just have to step outside the building because they get an oppressive, overwhelming sensation. She said there's times where she could be uh, like, you know, she'll just get this feeling in the middle of what she's doing. And she's like, I've got work to do and try to fight through it. Then a few seconds later, she's like, I just got to get up and go outside or I'm never going to get this done. And then they'll go outside and then everything will be fine. When they, when they come back in. back in. Huh. So she also said that it's not unusual for former residents, patients, and employees to come by and share stories from their time there. And that's where they get a lot of their history from. Well, that's cool. That's good that they do that. Another caretaker by the name of David Lowry said that he had a strange experience under the staircase during the daytime. He hosts most of the paranormal events that happen in Ashmore, and he's been doing paranormal investigating for a long time. He said it takes a lot to impress him, but this place has it all. He said he was sweeping uh, up underneath the staircase. He heard a disembodied voice of a little girl say, I like to hide under here. (laughs) He said he had never gotten a whole sentence like that in all of his years of paranormal investigating. He should have asked her, oh, why? Maybe try to have a conversation with her. Well, I would imagine he was probably having a conversation with his feet going towards the door. (laughs) That is my guess. So what do you think? I think that's a cool place we need to go to. Well, Uh it may be be happening. Because I just, like I said, I just sent the current owner, Robin Terry, a Facebook request earlier for as a friend request, and he accepted already. So you can bet we're going to be trying to set something up there. This place is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's nothing but cornfields and this place. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's not like in a neighborhood or in the city. It is literally, it used to be a farm, and it still pretty much sits on a bunch of farmland. So. Hmm. I might try to rethink that whole situation. Because <laughs> I'm like, not trying to get lost in the cornfield either. It did look like a lot of corn around. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Uh, like I said, we got we got connections there besides Robin. I mean, he obviously owns the place, but mm-hmm. uh, Lee, I'm sure, could get us hooked up. Well, that would be fine. To, so who knows? Might be where we uh, one of these places we end up next year. Yikes! So, anyways, that's our story for tonight. That was a good one. We uh, we have uh, a quick break from our sponsor, and then uh, we have a, a cruise update, some show updates, and uh, a special happy birthday. All right, Tracy, some quick housekeeping. Obviously, uh, we've got the cruise I, I want to I touch on. We hit, we've hit we hit 100 people sign up for this cruise in two weeks. That is insane. The the uh, <laughs> cruise director, well, I guess it's not technically cruise director, but the, mm-hmm. the uh, travel agent. Or travel agent. Mm-hmm. Robin said it has far out, out overwhelmed what he thought would happen in, in a mm-hmm. two-week period. You guys are amazing. Yes, you are completely amazing. And so we're we're excited about that. If you haven't booked yet and you want to, uh, he said that we are almost completely out of the balcony rooms. There are still plenty of the inner cabins, which are the, the least expensive ones. And uh, we're still going to get more balcony rooms, but they're going to be about $10 more per person. Mm-hmm. So until we run out of those. But he didn't expect for us to, you know... Just for the record, he booked us. He got he. They set aside twenty rooms for us. That's what they thought we were going to need, and we booked fifty cabins <laughs> in two weeks. 
<laughs> and it's a year and a half away. So we're probably going to rent a few more. Um, Good. But anyways, make sure, though, you cannot book online. You have to call, and if you go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, all the information's right there. We have a special page for it. And we've also got pictures of all the rooms. You can also upgrade to a junior suite. It's a couple hundred dollars more, but it's much bigger. It's got a full-size bathroom, bigger balcony. But I've got videos of all the different types of rooms available, so you can actually watch and see what the rooms look like. And it's got all of their information, phone number to call and get all this booked up so fun all right next order of business real quick before we get into patreon and stuff the uh, obviously we got a bunch of live shows coming up this year the cruise is awesome it's still a year and a half away we got fun stuff this year we have the saint augustine show now this is very important you need to click on the link to the saint augustine show on our website and the beachers resort condos phone number is there if you want to get the special rate if you're going to stay in st augustine at our uh, at the resort that that's hosting the event and you want the hillbilly horror stories rate you have to call them and and tell them you're with us if you book it online you're not going to get the rate they don't have any way of knowing you're with us even if you put it in the notes uh i happened the young lady who is booking this and handling this she said she happened to catch one the other day that somebody sent through the uh, online and they put in the notes they were part of it. She happened to catch that, but she said normally they wouldn't. So if you somehow booked it online and you were wanting to be part of this with the group, call them and let them know, hey, you already booked and get it transferred over and you'll get a better rate. Mm -hmm. But also if you haven't booked yet, they're running out of the cheap rooms. Call them. Go ahead and get that booked when you can, but make sure, more importantly, you do it by phone and tell them you're part of the Hillbilly Horror Stories. And uh, then the next thing is, and those tickets are half gone, by the way, if you want to come to that show. There are, half of them are gone. There are 60 seats available. We've already sold 30. With that being said, there are 30 tickets available to the St. Augustine Lighthouse investigation that's going, going on that Friday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Half of those tickets are already gone. So there's, there was 30 tickets available. There's only 15 left. You can go to our website also. That will direct you to uh, Diane and Kelly over at History Goes Bump. They're the ones taking care of that. But you can get that from our website. Basically, our website, you can get everything. So just True go there. And check story. Stuff out. And I won't bother with the rest of the shows and stuff that are going on. It's all right there. St. Augustine, Galveston, Dallas, all of them are right there. Go check them out and all the information needs right there. Tracy? Yes? Let's start this off with a special birthday. Well, let's do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this is. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna give the real name out, but we officially know who Mojo Lobster is, <laughs> and his birthday was yesterday, the twenty seventh. So we we basically uh, want to say, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mojo Lobster. Happy birthday to you. Oh. <laughs> and many more reviews. <laughs> 
Tracy, what do we got for uh, iTunes? Well, of course, Mojo Lobster left us a very nice review. Of course. And Michelle G., we love you, girl. Thanks for your nice review. We have Wrench Bender 1, Grape Ape 417, Doug Towns, Danny 5010, and Amy Ariza. I hope I said that right, sweetheart. Thank you, guys. Your reviews were so awesome. We appreciate you all so, so much. We hope you all can keep them coming. And our Patreon this week was Joshua Evans. Thank you, doll, for your um, support. We appreciate you so much. Yes, and if you'd like to join Patreon, you can also go to our website. I don't know if I've mentioned our website tonight. But (laughs) (laughs) on the front of that, it actually will take you. And you can see all the different tiers. You can join for as little as a dollar a month. That helps out the show tremendously. And it also gets you four bonus episodes a month, as well as ad-free episodes. So you don't ever have to listen to an ad. Not even though you could take over. Take all that out. <laughs> so Awesome. Guys, that wraps up this show. We didn't have any uh, extra interviews or anything. We do have some cool stuff coming up, though, interview-wise. Uh, can't wait to share some of this stuff with you. So, But that's what we got for you tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you, guys. We hope you have a blessed week, and we love you.